Thank you for your time. This is the Get In Divorce Without Losing Your Mind podcast with Corey Shapiro. In divorce news, I saw this opinion piece by The Economist magazine, which I fully recommend for a great worldview. Uh, it was, do not bring your whole self to work. Made me think. That's great advice because, you know, if you bring your whole self to work, you're bringing your good traits and your bad traits, as the opinion piece says, and we are really only valued for our good traits at work. So it made me think, why not write an article, which I did called Do Not Bring Your Whole Self to Court, right? Because in court, what's going to happen if you're in litigation is the focus is going to be on the bad. If there's good, it's probably going to be a settlement or it's not going to go that far. But if there's bad, that's how you get what you want. Uh, the problem is that there really is no truth when you get to this. There's no truth. If there was a truth, it would probably settle. It's just perceptions of the truth. Uh, and the master of this concept, and I, and I put a link to this term, uh, the godfather of influence came up with, uh, Robert Cialdini, he calls it persuasion, uh, which I really think is version two, it might be version three, four, or five of influence, but it's definitely in the right direction. If you don't know his work, I fully recommend checking him out on Amazon. He also has a great website. I'll leave that in the show notes as well. But the point is, you might know this term, persuasion, as contact, setting up, priming, framing, whatever it is. I think he packages it really well. He's a teacher at heart. And so it's really easy to understand what he's saying in a very clear way, which is the best mark. I think, of teachers. The best professors I had were geniuses like him, but could explain things to simple people like me. I saw this PBS NewsHour, I think it was done in, in 2017, where he's promoting that the book, which he wrote about his research of, uh, excuse me, of, of persuasion. He also wrote the book Influence. And I think that's a really good thing to check out. I will also include that in the show notes. But here's the key that for us, to bring this back to divorce. Version two, and again, this could be version five of influence, but let's just call it version two of influence. Version one of influence is I'm going to call hard influence. You're aware of it. You feel pressure. And this is sort of what the court does. It's like directive, like you do this or else. Maybe you, you got that hard influence from your parents or other people who had some power over you. But the next level up is version two, and this maybe is where mediators do their master work. You're not really aware of the skill set. If you're aware of it and you feel pressured, that's version one. If you're not aware of it and you're still sort of doing what they say, that's version two. Okay. So in that PBS piece, which is on YouTube, again, I'll give you the, show, the link in the show notes. He did a study, or he talked about a study about a man who tried to pick up women to get their phone numbers, and he did it at different environments. So one, he did it at a bookstore, I believe it was. One's a bakery. The stores might be, might be incorrect, but the point is it was something like that, a bakery, a bookstore. And it was very low percentages getting women's phone numbers. But when he did it in front of a flower shop, he had doubled the success rate, right? Because the flowers primed the women for romance, he did another example from politics. They found that if you vote inside a church, okay, so if they just controlled where you're voting and they put it inside a church, people who do that are more Republican, okay? And they found that if you vote inside a school, you're more Democrats. So simple thing like that. That's version two. You don't know what's really going on. 
It's just subconscious. So let's apply this to our world and divorce. And let's say you are negotiating child support. And maybe you can send me some feedback on this, but let's just do three choices and you tell me which one resonates the most with you. So option A, this is option A. I need 10,000, excuse me, let's say, let's make it a little lower. I need $2,000 a month, not a dollar less in child support. I need $2,000 a month, not a dollar less in child support. That's a demand, right? Doesn't it feel like power? That's A. Uh, What about B? I need $3,000 a month. Well, okay. I don't know how you feel about that. To me, on A and B, I'm wondering why. Why do you need 2,000? Why do you need 3,000? It really depends on how much I want to pay. But let's say you take a C approach. Let's say you show them your budget. And we do this in, you know, in most divorces, we have these financial statements in New York, we call it statement of net worth, might be called other places. You list out your, your budget, your expenses. And of course, most of those budgets are inflated, but there's fixed expenses, which is hard to inflate. Okay. Whatever the lifestyle was, just put it down. So you show your budget, you ask for 2000 a month to cover your expenses, which shows your budget. Your budget shows 2000 a month, let's assume. But then you say, as you can tell, I won't be able to ask for 3000 a month. So which one of those choices are you more likely to get on aversion to just context, you know, or persuasion? And I'm nowhere near a master at this. I'm a student of this. Uh, I think this, you know, he's a 10th degree black belt. I may be, a, you know, just getting my black belt or half the black belt, but there's so much work in this area. And I think it really is where it is going. So I'd like to hear your feedback. And I think reading about him and learning about him and his ideas really do help in difficult cases. All right, let's move to the question, which is, I am thinking all the time about my divorce. It is distracting me. I am worried I am going to get fired from my job. What do you suggest? Well, this is a good question because people don't realize how long difficult divorces take. And I want to put this in context. You know, I have divorces that are over seven years and we're not even done. I've, I've talked to colleagues over 10 years. Also, you can get divorced and then you can come back to court. So it can last literally the childhood of your children, the whole span of your ch- the childhood of your children. Years. I have a case, for example, where it took two years to get a decision after a trial. Two years. Another case, a year. So things move really slowly. And another good reason why to try not to get into the system, but sometimes you're forced into the system and this person seems to be in that difficult situation. So how do you, you know, actually cope, actually function during these years that could take to get a divorce. And I'm going to talk about three different levels that we should think about. For the first level is we're going to have thoughts, where right? We have thoughts about everything. And thoughts are okay. Good thoughts, bad thoughts, whatever they are, they're okay. But the next level is ruminate. When we ruminate about a thought, it becomes more and more powerful, right? And how do we productively deal with that, those issues? For example, on the plus side, you might be, you know, going on vacation. If you ruminate about it, you probably are like checking out everything online while you're supposed to be working, right? That's, but that's a positive thing going on vacation, but it's a negative thing because you need to focus on work. And then there's an obsessive, you know, that's all you can deal with, all you can focus on. Uh, we can also look at a f- obsessive like a wound. If the wound is untreated, it will fester and there could be some serious problems with an infection. 
So those are the three levels and how do we deal with this? So level one thoughts, I would suggest, and I, and I, and I wrote about this in, in my book, and I learned it from none other than Julia Cameron. And if, if you don't know her, I really suggest you check her out. She, she comes up with morning pages. The idea is you, re, uh, you write three longhand pages in the morning. You don't show it to anyone. Just really the first thing in the morning is stream of conscious. People have tweaked it here and there. I did it for many years before I developed my own style, uh, but I would start there. Some people say it might take too long. I think if you could do a page to start versus three pages, that's fine. It does take a little bit. There's an adjustment. You might have to wake up a half an hour earlier. It might be painful in the beginning. You know, I get up pretty early now. I get up four in the morning. But when I started this, you know, that was, I probably got up, I, I don't know, around seven. But once you start working out in the morning and you do these journaling in the morning, you really just start getting up early. And then obviously you go to bed earlier. So your whole, it's like your it shifts. I think that's what's going to happen. Okay. So the other idea, if you're on level one on your thoughts, is you want to inject yourself with good thoughts. You want to surround yourself with the good people around you. If you can't do that, you want to surround yourself with positive media. I think that's important. Positive mantras you can read, positive books, positive movies, not negative, but just like food for your brain. You don't want negative. You don't want junk food. You want good food. So that's level one. You're just giving yourself an opportunity to sort of work through your thoughts. And hopefully, like sort of like washing your hands, you're just going to move on. You're going to function your day. And that's sort of what happens. Like you dump on the journal, dump your mind, and then you're going to move and work on the day. All right. The, the second level, if you're starting to ruminate, you have to have a thinking practice. And this is not really talked about that much, but the most important thing is you think about thinking. I do think that's really important. And it's harder now to think about thinking because, you know, I go to a movie, I go to Rotten Tomatoes. I don't even think. But I just saw a movie yesterday and I didn't even see the trailer. I, I just thought it would be a good movie. It's a small movie and I fully recommend it. Phantom of the Open. Um, of course, it got me on that title. Uh, it's nothing to do with Phantom of the Opera, Phantom of the Open. But if that movie comes to you or you can stream it, see it, it's a feel-good movie. It's inspirational. Loved it. But the point is, if I read a review or I go to Rotten Tomatoes, everyone's telling me what to do. So how do I think about thinking? And you have to have a time where you have alone time. So the alone time you're going to have is on your commute. Most of us like to listen to podcasts or the radio or music. So that would be an adjustment. You could do running, but without headphones. You know, I did that for a while, not really into running because of my knees. I really got into yoga. I think yoga takes a little bit to learn, but you could definitely do it from home. You can watch videos to do it, um, go to classes to supplement. I like that. And you can just ruminate once you have a flow that works for you. I do Ashtanga, uh, so it's a set flow. Uh, I ruminate. And after that, I might capture ideas that, that, that occurred. You can also do it with walking. You know, I walk my dog. I do like to listen to podcasts, but I try... You know, I try to do it without a podcast, but that doesn't work for me. But that might work for you. So if yoga doesn't work for you, maybe walking does. If, if, if you can run. The point is you're trying to get a time where you can just think about thinking, wherever that is. You can even do, you know, meditations if you're into that. Uh, yoga really is a moving meditation. At least Ashtanga yoga is. Once you get into it, it takes a few years to get into it, I think. 
uh, for some people who are like me, who are not flexible because it's really painful in the beginning. Other people might really gravitate towards it who are really flexible. And then really, once you understand the practice after maybe a few months, then maybe it does move into a moving uh, meditation. But for me, I think it took a few years before because I was in pain most of the time, uh, which obviously was not the right way of practicing. I shouldn't have been in that much pain, but I was pushing too much until I got a good teacher who sort of developed adjustments for my own level and thinking about yoga over decades. That's how like master practitioners are. It's not just like you do it for six months and you think your life is going to change. All right. And then the last one is therapists. You know, go to a talk therapist. This to me is the best. You know, it's sort of like short circuits to process. You could go right to therapy, but if you have an aversion to it, try no level one, try level two. Only thing negative about therapy, I think, is it's costly. Maybe it's covered under your insurance. There is, you know, these apps that have therapists. You might want to make sure you get the good therapists, just like anything else. But if you do get a good therapist, it could really change your mindset. Maybe even also a coach could change your mindset too. You know, one thing I think about is two types of issues that come up regularly in my practice is, you know, if you're thinking more about the past of what should have happened, I think that's more depression oriented type people. And if you think about more about the future and you're really worried about the future, I think that's more anxious type people. And you got to see where you are in that spectrum. So I think those are some suggestions I have to deal with these issues. And hopefully you can get that support you need so you can at least for you know certain periods of the day, you know, really compartmentalize your life so you can focus at work. All right, moving to quick announcements. If you have a question, you can go to ask.gettingdivorced.org and submit a voice question. My question section's evolving. I'm not going to list the names anymore, but if you want your name listed, just let me know and I will list your name. Otherwise, I'm just not going to list names. I think that's better for privacy. Okay, you can go to gettingdivorceebook.com to get a free copy of our book. You can obviously get it on Amazon too. Uh, we need more reviews. We have four reviews. If you're too shy to post a review, sometimes I'm too shy to post a review on a book, email me feedback, feedback at gettingdivorce.org. I want to see how this lands for you, how I can be a better communicator, better teacher. Um, that's the goal, especially for my next book. Uh, and if you're not getting our weekly newsletter, you should. It's very short. It has this the podcast and it has our show notes and other links and resources that we have. All right. So if you're in this divorce, as as you know, we close with appreciation. And it's a tough time for many uh, people. Uh, I hope you are getting the help you need, the legal help you need with a good attorney who you trust, maybe the, you know, the psychological help you need through maybe some divorce coaching, maybe your lawyer, maybe some of these resources to talk about, some people in your life, a good support network. One of the clients I had who I thought did really, really well on this, she danced. That was her support system. So everyone does things differently. It doesn't have to be a therapist. doesn't have to be talk. For her, I think it was more moving her body, the music, and she was able to lose herself in that moment. I feel the same way maybe doing snowboarding. That's a good time to, to lose yourself or biking or whatever it is doing something that's self-care. So as hard as things are, you have to self-care. And think about it like rest. When you when we, you know, we have 24 hours a day, a third of it, we're sleeping, we're resting, we're recharging. So even if you have really tough times, you need to do that. Rest becomes so important the longer this goes on. 
if you're going to be at your at the highest level. If not, you're going to be diminished. Think how well you're going to do the next day if you only sleep six hours or five hours or four hours, and then figure that over a long period of time. You're going to be a shell of yourself. So even though I know it's tough, although I know you have responsibilities, you have to find a way, and that's the key. And if you don't feel you can find a way, get people who can show you the way. All right? So uh, remember, this podcast is for informational purposes only. Please consult with your attorney before acting on any information contained in this podcast. Until next time, think better. Mm-hmm.